0: The following is a Thunderbolt West Media Production. Toxic chemicals near my house and how to forage for the vitamins and minerals you need. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky on fire, fear was in their eyes. Peter it's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving, so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show Airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM, in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith, and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Welcome aboard, everyone. I sure appreciate you tuning in today. Well, I've got a show that is going to cover quite a few topics today, and I hope you bear with me as I go through each topic. But things are heating up worldwide, and I'm going to be talking survival for the most part. That's kind of where I've been stuck for the last month or so, because I know that people are really getting worried deep down inside. People are starting to feel the stress. I'm seeing it on the faces of the people. I'm seeing it in road rage incidents. I'm seeing it in cashiers being short with customers and vice versa. I'm seeing kind of a breakdown of politeness of society that I haven't seen And I know it's because people are under massive stress financially, emotionally, and this PSYOP is really working on people. And it's, I'm going to have to say, very successful. The people that are putting on this PSYOP are probably very happy with the results so far. But if we keep getting the word out that we are under mental attack, as well as spiritual and physical and other ways of attacking us and. Those that don't think we're being physically attacked aren't looking up and seeing the chemtrails. If having chemicals dumped on you is not physically attacking you, well, tell that to the Vietnam vets. Tell them that Agent Orange was a harmless chemical. See how far that gets you. There are people that think that it's harmless what's coming down off those chemtrails. It's not harmless. You have to believe me on that one. But I want to start with the incident that happened near my home. Matter of fact, three miles away from where I live, there was a rail car that exploded and is spewing out toxic chemicals. And I want to focus on that for several minutes because I think it's very telling. Number one, we've had incidents one after another with railroad cars exploding, derailing, what have you. If you don't think there's sabotage and all sorts of things happening to our railroads, then you're mistaken. I don't know if it's sabotage from within. I don't know if it's our own government doing it. I don't know if it's saboteurs from another country. I don't know if it's Antifa. I don't know who is doing it. But it is no coincidence that we're seeing derailment after derailment and toxic chemical fire after toxic chemical fire. And what's really sad about this whole thing is how I learned about this horrible incident that happened 3 miles away from my house. As most of my listeners know, I harvest hay, and I was busy up on a hilltop, and I only get the hilltops no one else wants. Because everyone else that puts up hay in this country is well-established and has much better equipment than I have. And, and they have people hired to help them that I do not have. And so I'm kind of the last call. Or I'm the first call for fields no one else wants. And so I'm on top of Mount Everest right now. I name the hills as far as severity. And this one is Mount Everest. And so I'm on top of this hill I call Mount Everest, and I'm looking out over all of the hay that I have to physically pick up, and I look to the west and I see a plume of smoke rising from near where the railroad is. I didn't think much of it, but the smoke kept getting wider and higher, and I could tell that something happened there, but every once in a while there's fire that breaks out and smoke goes up, so... I didn't think much of it. I didn't think it was a railroad fire because it didn't look like the normal fires that I see coming off the railroad, which is sparks from a bearing or something that has seized and you have a grass fire now and again. And then after a while, I started noticing an airplane that I hadn't ever seen before. And although I don't fly and I'm not a pilot and I really don't care for flying, I've always been fascinated by aircraft. And so I'm one of those that when an airplane goes over, I look. I still look up with wonderment at airplanes. I never outgrew that. And so I'm looking up at this aircraft that keeps circling. And I'm thinking, huh, it's coming in to land. Well, it never landed. And it circled way out away from me. Went about, oh, I'd say two miles around, did a loop around my Mount Everest Hill and I thought it was leaving. Well, then it came back and did several more loops. I didn't put two and two together that it was flying around the fire. I, For some reason, I just didn't put that smoke on the ground and the airplane in the air. I just didn't connect that. Well, then the aircraft flew away for a little while, then came back, and then it was gone after that. And I didn't think much of it. I was thrilled that I got about 750 bales baled. And if you saw the terrain that I'm in, the steepness of the hills, and my tractor's very much underpowered for powering a baler and going up these steep hills. I had a very interesting day. And also, I wore the brakes out on my tractor, and I had a couple interesting moments that it's a good thing I know how to operate tractors on hills that brakes are dodgy, or else I could have been in real trouble a couple of times, but I have to get my brakes fixed before I tackle the rest of the hill, and so that's tomorrow's job is getting the brakes going, and it rained today, so I didn't have to bail. I was going to bail today, but we actually had a half inch of rain, which I'm glad for the rain, but I had a whole lot of hay that got rained on. But that's another story. I get done from baling hay, and I'm hot and dirty and tired, and I decide, well, I'm going to go ahead and check up on the news. And where I listen for the news, I get my news from alternative sources. I do not get news from the mainstream because I think it's worthless, and I'll prove my point here in a minute. Anyway, I was checking through my normal sources, and I went to Hal Turner's site, and Hal Turner had this big headline about this mishap in North Platte, Nebraska, and that's how I heard about it. Hal Turner is now in metropolitan New York City. He's not in Pennsylvania at the moment. And so I had to hear about an incident that happened three miles from my house From an alternative news site, news source, I should say, in metropolitan New York City area. How messed up is that? That's extremely messed up. And so I started asking around different people that I saw. I went into town and I asked them, do you know about this, you know about this chemical fire west of town? And one person said, yes, there was a chemical fire. That's all they knew. But everyone else I talked to, which was about six or seven people, they said, no, didn't hear anything about it. And so we had this major incident. Now I'm going to get to the airplane. According to Hal Turner, and I know that he's right because he is giving the make and model of the aircraft and also the military number that's assigned to that aircraft and also the flight pattern. That the plane flew, and I can verify that flight pattern because I watched the plane physically fly that pattern, and so I know Hal Turner is extremely accurate with this. That was our nuke sniffer plane, one of them from the Air Force. Okay, I live three miles away from the world's largest rail switchyard. It's huge almost everything that comes to the United States to the center of the United States the trains are assembled there they might unload the ships in California or another port maybe in Washington state or Oregon but it comes through here it bottlenecks right through here and then the trains are put together as far as the ones that go to Chicago or go to New York or farther south or wherever They put the trains together here. And so I'm well aware that I live in a nuclear target. Matter of fact, I've done some research, and yes, it is a primary target. If they take out this facility three miles from my house, then railroad traffic in this country stops. Now, you might say, well, there's a Burlington Northern and other railroads. Yes, they will not be able to pick up the slack, of Union Pacific. So, in effect, rail traffic is going to stop. Now, 40 miles farther down the road, up west, or I should say 50, there is a dam. And it's called Kingsley Dam. And the lake is called Lake McConaughey. And folks around here call it Big Mac. And that lake is 26 miles long. It's only a couple miles wide, but it's really long, and it's got a lot of water. If they would hit the dam with anything, uh, probably a conventional type of a cruise missile, they could flood this entire valley, wiping out this rail yard and also possibly hundreds of miles of tracks. And although there's good people that live around the dam and I don't wish them ill whatsoever, as far as logistics go and amount of people who would be affected, a lot fewer people would be out of the blast zone if they use a nuclear weapon. Because North Platte's only got like twenty-two thousand, twenty-three thousand people. But you could kiss all of them goodbye and also the people in the surrounding area, which would be another probably fifteen thousand. So we're looking about thirty to thirty five thousand people would die, whereas if it hits the dam we're probably looking closer to ten thousand people, which is ten thousand too many, but Anyway, that's kind of the situation here. So since this is a nuclear target, and it is the world's largest rail switchyard, so that makes sense that it is a target, why would the nuclear sniffer plane be flying over this mishap on the railroad, or accident, or sabotage? They're really tight-lipped about it. All they say is, a railroad car is on fire. But what's going on here, folks? Why would the Air Force spend the money to send that specialized plane? Not only to make a circle here, but to make multiple circles and basically camp out here for a while. What do they know that we don't know? Was it sabotage? Is the train hauling nuclear weapons? That was attached to that railroad car. I don't know. Like I say, no one's talking around here, but I smell a rat in a big one. Now, I did have a chance to tune in to local nightly news. You know, the ones that are supposed to tell us all about our community and the ones that are supposed to help. They said nothing about the severity of this incident. They reported that a railroad car was on fire, and that people were evacuated within three-fourths of a mile of it, and everything was safe and contained. And that's about all they said. And then they brought in people from the HAZMAT and other government agents that are with emergency management. And they said, well, we suppose that this chemical could be toxic. We're not going to get into what it was. But it probably would be harmful. So we erred on the side of caution, and we evacuated people within about a mile or three-quarters of a mile. And they closed Highway 30, which is only about a quarter of a mile from the track at that point. They closed it down for the afternoon. And that's all they said about it. And the hazmat people didn't say anything, that no warnings were given. Nobody was told how to stay out of that. No one was talked about about being downwind. Nothing. Zero. And for the past year or so, I've been saying on this show, there's no cavalry coming over the hill. There's no knight in white shining armor that's going to come save you. There is no 911 you're going to dial and have a response. I think I live in a pretty sane county as far as emergency management and the people in charge. We don't have too many goofballs, I don't think, that are in charge of any of these agencies that assist in such matters. But they obviously were not told what was in that railroad car. They obviously didn't know. Otherwise, I think they would have been a little bit more animated in how they were explaining the dangers But they just shrugged it off, just like they kind of shrugged off the big chemical fire in Ohio. They just kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, ah, nothing to see here. And so that's the response we can expect. And this morning, I had to go into town and buy some more supplies. And also, I have several people that I talked to in the hayfield. They saw me out there in the hayfield, and they knew I wasn't busy because it rained, and so they stopped to visit. And I asked each one of them, I said, did you hear about the big chemical spill down on the railroad? And every one of them said, no, didn't hear anything about it. And I said, did you watch the nightly news last night? They said, oh yeah, we always watch the news. They didn't say anything about it. That's what these people said. Well, I watched the nightly news and they did say something about it, but it was so anemic that the people that were listening never even put two and two together. Apparently, they had no clue that that happened near their home. This is really serious. What I'm saying is extremely serious. I live in a community that thinks they're well-informed, and I've only talked to one person that knew about the chemical spill. Just one. And North Platte is only three miles away from this chemical spill. And no one's talking about it today. It's just like it never happened. But something is really amiss. Because today I had to go buy some baling twine. I decided today was going to be a day I was going to get supplies so I can hit it again tomorrow. Because the weather's going to clear up. And as I was driving out of North Platte crossing the river bridge, I happened to look down towards the water. And what was it, the water? It looked to be one of the head honchos of emergency management because it was an extremely fancy vehicle. It looked like it would be the department head or the chief or whatever you would call that person. It was down at the river doing something. And so we have emergency management down at the North Platte River that feeds into the Missouri, which feeds into the Mississippi, and you kind of know where I'm heading this, Why was emergency management down at the river gauging something in the water? Why were they doing that less than 24 hours after the spill, unless it's mandatory that you have to do all sorts of air and water tests around this? Maybe that's a requirement. I don't know. But all I do know is that nobody was told correctly that there was a danger. And so, my community here faced a clear and present danger. And as far as I'm concerned, the media was AWOL, and emergency management was either AWOL or misinformed. And nobody is talking about this aircraft except Hal Turner. Again, I'm getting my updates of what's happening three miles from my house, from someone who is in metropolitan New York City area. Now, how wrong is that? That's absolutely criminal. And so hats off to Hal Turner for giving me a heads up of what's going on in my own community. Which, the more I think about it, the matter I'm getting. Because these people, we vote them in, supposedly, and we trust they are going to have the best interest of we the people. But instead they're covering Warren Buffett's sorry butt, and they're covering up for their own sorry existence. As far as I'm concerned, we had a major incident here, and the fact that the United States Air Force sent that plane here tells me that there's something a whole lot more than what meets the eye. And seeing emergency management down on the river, again, that might be protocol, that might be something they have to do. But I saw that with my own eyes. I saw the airplane with my own eyes. I saw the emergency management with my own eyes. And I'm doing whatever investigating I can, and it's not much. It's all anecdotal. But it seems that no one around here has even heard about it. If that doesn't scare you, then you're hard to scare. Because what would happen? what would have happened if a dirty bomb would have went off out there? Would we have been told? I doubt it. I really think we have the most evil, corrupt, horrible people in the history of mankind that are in charge of this country right now. I think they're illegitimate, and I think they're evil. And I'm going to stretch into my next topic just a little bit, and I'm not going to be here very long. But did you read or hear or see the video, of that transgender, horrible man that thinks he's a woman spokesman in Ukraine. Did you hear that demented person issue terroristic threats against journalists? That there will be gnashing of teeth? and You need to watch that. And you need to tell yourself as you're watching it, This is what the United States government is supporting, and this is where your tax money is going. These people are insane. This Zelensky guy is insane. The people in his cabinet are insane. And people that want to send money over there are insane. And the last thing that I'm going to say about the Ukraine-Russia thing in this show is that we have the leader dear leader, whatever they want to call him, from North Korea visiting Moscow. And my opinion of the North Korean leader is not very high. He seems to be a man-child. He seems to be a little boy on the inside that is wanting to be a big boy and do big things. I think he's got a Napoleon syndrome, and from what little I've seen of him on video, I think he acts like he's totally insane. And he's the type that would push the button. He's the type that would send his troops into harm's way just to watch him die. He's a troublemaker. That's my opinion. And I watched Putin with him, and the body language that Putin was putting off this. I don't think Vladimir Putin likes him very much, but North Korea is going to send... 300,000 up to 500,000. That's half of a million people, folks. Not just people, but soldiers. So North Korea is going to provide three to 500,000 soldiers that will be under the command of Russia. And you know these North Koreans are brainwashed and they are taught to hate Westerners and Nothing good is going to come from this agreement between North Korea and Russia. Nothing good for the West anyway. And let's not forget that North Korea is basically the puppet of China. And so China had to give the okay of sending those troops. Why would China do that? I think that they're trying to train North Korea to be an even more powerful ally. I think they are going to baptize the North Koreans by fire. I think they're getting ready for the second front to open in Asia. And also that tells me, and this is a guess, and this is just a guess, it's just my opinion, but it also tells me that China is probably willing to send an unlimited amount of troops because, let's face it, the United States has been picking a war with Russia for quite some time and also China. And our politicians are absolutely insane thinking that they can win a war against Russia, let alone a war against China along with Russia, and the zealousness of North Korea and their little dictator is actually very disturbing. Now, as I recorded this program, I don't know what happened, but my computer decided to dump everything from here on, so I had to re-record this. So, if things are a little bit disjointed, it's because there's about six hours in between recording the first part and this, when I had everything all done and wrapped up, and I saved it twice, and When I went to call it up to edit it, it only brought up 26 minutes. So, But we're looking at a world that is extremely unstable. And you already know that. And they're also trying to destabilize our banking system. There's so many things happening right now that are just evil, that we have to guard against and stand up against. But now is the time for you to get very serious about Thinking about surviving outside of the box. I think it's extremely important we think outside the box in everything we do. And one of the things to think outside of the box is to find alternative sources for protein and also your vitamins and minerals. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in the second half of the show, is finding alternatives for that. Because I'm hearing through the grapevine that we do have some shortages of some things. And also, with the record beef prices we have, we're going to have beef priced out of our price range. I don't know what a pound of hamburger is eventually going to cost, but I think it's going to cost over $5 a pound, maybe even more. And so that cost is going to be passed on to the restaurants, which of course this will break all of the smaller restaurants that are still left the mom and pops organizations that survived COVID probably will not survive this food inflation because they're going to have to charge way too much money and people just can't afford to eat out. Now personally, I have quit eating out quite a while ago to save money and it has saved me a lot of money, but it doesn't help my favorite local restaurants either. So I feel bad as I drive by that I'm no longer supporting them, but But I had to make a choice. It was either them or me, and of course you have to choose your own financial health and well being over supporting another business. But if I do go out, I will support my local businesses. But getting back to the world events and and tying it back to the event that happened close to my house, it seems that the war is going to come to the United States. Matter of fact, I think it already has. It's called our open southern border. I just have a feeling that there's several divisions of armies, of different armies of the world, that are in the United States right now. Look at the age. It's, all, it's almost all military-aged males. Look at the age of the males that are rampaging all over Europe. They're not families looking for asylum. They are young men. And I hear that there's a lot of Chinese and also Russian-speaking people that are crossing the southern border. And if they're not sending whole armies across our porous border, they're minimally sending saboteurs and other people that can cause all sorts of damage as far as terrorist attacks. And It's just absolutely dereliction of duty and treason as far as I'm concerned that The people that are in charge of our safety as a nation are willingly opening the gates, letting everyone in. And who has to deal with those people? Well, certainly not the elites. They're in their gated communities. No, it's you and me that have to deal with the third world countries rampaging up and down our streets. Everything is totally upside down. And that's part of the PSYOP is getting us all confused about What's right and what's wrong. And one of the things they're doing as far as the PSYOP is, and this is my opinion, is that they're taking the knowledge that our grandparents and great grandparents and those that came before them, the common sense knowledge of how to live off the land and how to cope with different situations, how to conduct yourself, how to survive. It seems that all of these generations Are being erased or belittled. And if you would talk to the modern American and talk to them about the way people had to live 100, 150, 200 years ago, they would scoff and say, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. And that's what these people are counting on. When I say these people, I mean the globalists. They're counting on us being so addicted to our creature comforts and our modern technologies that there's no way that we are going to go back and live off the land. As a matter of fact, they're trying to erase that ability from our psyche. And it seems that this new round of COVID that they're going to be pushing, at least the vaccines, are going to be tied to your bank account. How they can do that is just criminal, and anyone that tries to combine your medicine Your medical history to your bank account, that's just absolutely criminal. But it seems that they are trying to make it to where if you don't get all the new boosters and new vaccines, they're going to shut off your bank account or not allow you access to your own money. And so we're dealing with some very criminal, horrible people. And I would hate to be them as they stand before Almighty God. But it seems that. Here on Earth, we the people have been had. And we're just going to have to think outside the box, and we're going to have to bypass these people as much as possible. And one of the ways we can bypass them is by knowing how to survive. I want to mention that I would love to have you partner with me and send a donation to keep the show on the air. That would be so much appreciated. It doesn't matter what size of donations. Every little bit does help. I take checks, money orders, and cash. You would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 69143. Now it seems that this show has turned into a survival show, but You just have to look at the times we're in. And people really are truly shaken up about their future. They look at their money dwindling. They look at their government being corrupt. They look at a world that is just bent on war. And so I do understand people's apprehension and their fears. But the Bible says, Fear not. And I don't want to come to you with a spirit of fear. I want to come to you with a spirit of hope and a spirit of can doism because we can survive this. We, the people, can survive this. Maybe some of us will fall by the way, but we, the people, are going to survive this. And one way we're going to survive is by cutting away these people that think that they're so necessary. They try to make government the most important part of your life. And just like they threaten countries with sanctions, they're threatening we the people with sanctions. Get the death jab or else. Do what we say or we're going to seize your bank account. All of that's illegal. All of that's immoral. All of it's totally wrong. But if we make it to where they can't reach us very easily, then we stand a much better chance of getting through this a little bit more unscathed as compared to those that are totally connected to government. So I'm going to start with the banking, because we're getting such disturbing news about how much the Federal Reserve is losing per month, and we're hearing major bankers say that things aren't very good, and they think that there's going to be more bank failures and Then when you look at these governments that are considering tying your bank account to your medical history, I'm not one to say pull your money out of the bank, but I would really watch really close, and if it looks like they're going to tie your health experience to your bank account, as in if you take the death jab or not, or do what they say or not, then it would be time, in my opinion, to go ahead and pull your money and keep it hid somewhere, and keep it away from them. I do hope that by you listening to my shows that you learn how to think outside the box, because we're going to have to do that if we're going to bypass these evil people. And I've been hearing rumors, and they're just rumors, that supplements are going to be hard to find and hard to get, And I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I think it would be worth you getting the supplements you need. If you can get them right now, I would go ahead and get them. And Also, I want to talk about how to find your vitamins and minerals naturally in the wild if things get really tough and everyone runs out of supplements. We need to keep our health, and so I want to talk about that. I do want to touch back onto the beef prices. We're seeing record-level prices for live cattle. I've never seen anything like it. And I've been in the cow business my whole life. I was born into it. And it's going to be good for the ranchers in the short term because they're going to make a lot of money this year off their calves. But the long-term health of this industry, I think that it just destabilizes it. Because anyone that buys replacement heifers to replace their older cows, they're going to be buying on a high market. They might be selling on a high market, but they're going to have to buy back on a high market too. And I think that these high prices are going to make beef totally unaffordable for the masses. And I think that's their plan. I think that they want us to eat Z-bugs. And part of that is getting us to where we cannot afford our regular meat supply, our regular protein. Now, I know they're pushing pork, and pork seems to be an alternative as far as price goes that's very attractive, but I'm also hearing stories, and there are rumors, that the pork industry has already been infiltrated, at least the packers have, with putting all sorts of substances in the feed to feed out the hogs, and also maybe in the meat after it's processed. I'm not sure if that's true. We have so many things that are going on that are lies right now that are trying to make us fearful. There are so many things that are trying to change our lifestyle, make us not want to eat meat because we're afraid of something that may or may not be in the meat. But with beef, that seems to be the king protein, at least in North America, I think that they decided to price it out of everyone's range. And I see hamburger and also other cuts of meat just going through the roof. And eventually that will come back and haunt the producer. And so while the producer might have a good year or two, in the long run, I don't think it's sustainable. I think that there's some nefarious things going on behind the scenes because the price is definitely artificial. There's no reason for it to be so high but we're going to have to just wait and see. And so while I'm on protein, I think that you should find some alternative sources of protein, which would be nuts and beans, peas, lentils. And if you're foraging, lamb's quarter is a good source for protein. And of course, eggs, soybeans. And I was listening to the Canadian prepper, and he was talking about the freeze-dried protein that's some of it's meat, some of it's meat, it's mixed with soy and other things, but it's freeze-dried. And he held up a gallon can and said, this is going to be worth more than money. And I tend to agree with him. And since protein is one of the hardest things to get, if you have a chance to buy some freeze-dried protein, I think I would go ahead and do that. And I would, instead of buying a whole bunch of things from the freeze-dry company, I would just really stick with the protein and put your money there. You can always buy rice and flour and other things locally and cook with that. And also, if you can, keep chickens for the eggs. That's a good renewable source of protein. Peanuts have some protein. So there's things that are very storage-friendly, such as dry beans and the peanuts and things that you can store back for protein. But I would really keep a close eye on our protein supply. Now, when it comes to our vitamins and minerals, I think that knowing what to forage, I know I talk about foraging a lot, but if things get as bad as I think that they may get, then foraging might be something we're forced into doing. And I'm not asking you to go out and start doing what I'm going to explain, but please listen to me and know what I'm saying and learn about what I'm talking about here. And so if things get bad and you're faced with doing without, then I'm giving you an alternative way to feed your family. And as long as you keep that tucked in the back of your mind, That'll give you peace of mind that if things get really dire, you can still go out and feed your family. And not one in a million people are going to look to this source to feed their family, so you will not have any competition. And if you go out and forage away from everyone where no one can see what you're doing, that would probably be better. Or you can go out in groups if you're out where people can see you, because you don't know what marauders might do. Because we're going to go through, I think, a very rough time. But what I want you to put in the back of your mind is that the inner tree bark of a lot of species of trees is very nutritious. There are certain species of trees you can make bread, you can make a substitute for noodles with the flour you can make from the inner tree bark, and also, I hear that the inner tree bark of a willow tree, which I've never tried, I hear that's a good survival tree, and willows are fairly common. And also, you have cottonwoods, and fir, and pine, and cedar, and elm, lots of different trees have an edible inner bark. And I know I have listeners from all over, so I can't talk about specific trees too much, and cover everyone. So I'm just going to tell everyone, go onto the internet and type in edible trees in your area. So whatever state you live in, type the name of the state and then put edible trees. And then study that list. And then go out and locate those trees in your neighborhood. Hopefully you'll have some growing on your property if you own property. And if not, hopefully you'll have them growing nearby to where you live. And if you just know that that's an edible tree and you know what part of the tree is edible, that's all you need to do. Just keep that knowledge in the back of your mind and hopefully you'll never have to use that knowledge. I would suggest you would go out and experiment a bit. That way, if you do have to ever use these products, you'll have a good idea how to use them before a crisis hits. It's always good to practice a bit, I do believe. And as you process this inner bark, you'll get better at finding recipes and learning how to use it. I know that you can make flour out of inner bark of certain trees. And you can use that flour to bake bread or make noodles. Now, they're not going to taste like wheat bread or wheat noodles, but they will still have nutrition and you will survive. If you've ever wondered how the Native Americans kept their horse herds Over the winter, when Native Americans never, ever went out and harvested hay, so how did they winter their horses? Well, of course, they would have them graze on hilltops that the snow had blown off of, but to give them a boost in nutrition, the Native Americans would try to winter next to trees, and then they would go out and they would strip the tree bark, and they would feed the inner bark to their horses, and that gave them an extra boost in nutrition. And that helped get them through the winter. And almost all of the pioneers knew how to make tree bark bread. It never has been extremely common, but it was common knowledge that it could be done. But you tell the modern person that you can make bread out of, you can make flour out of tree bark, they just immediately think, oh God, horrible, no, gross. Well, that's part of our conditioning. We have been conditioned that you only get your food from a grocery store, and flour has to be wheat flour, or rye flour, or or another common grain. And you have to learn how to think outside the box on everything. Now, I know that you can take the leaves off of grape trees and apple trees. They're very nutritious. As a matter of fact, almost every fruit tree does have nutrition in the inner tree bark and also in the leaves. And one thing that I've done that works very well is that you can take the leaves of a Russian olive and dry them really good. And then when they're real powdery dry, go ahead and put them in a mortar and and pound them into powder. It's actually finer than flour. Then you can go ahead and use that and make porridge. All you do is add hot water and butter and go ahead and just have it as porridge. You can season it with honey or sugar or syrup or however you want to season it. Never forget that God has provided for us, and everywhere you look, there is an edible tree or an edible plant. Now, the reason I'm talking about edible trees is because most of the forage season is done. Everything's matured, and it's gone to seed, and it's done with its usefulness as far as saving it as a food source. But you can harvest inner tree bark 365 days a year. And so that's a stable food source. Another stable food source, and I've mentioned this before, is cattails. You can eat almost every part of the cattail, and at various times of the year, certain parts are ready to harvest. But you can harvest the roots of a cattail all year round. Even if you live in the far north and you have to chop through the ice, you might get awful cold. But if you can get to those cattail roots... You will not be without food. And again, you make flour out of the cattail root. And then you go ahead and use that as you would wheat flour. And cattail flour is actually very delicious as far as I'm concerned. Much more delicious than any flour you're going to buy in a grocery store. And I will add much more nutritious as well. Now, I wanted to talk about the vitamins and minerals. Vitamin C is probably the easiest vitamin to find in nature. Juniper berries have vitamin C. Pine trees, the pine needles, are full of vitamin C. You can just grab a handful of pine needles and put them in water and make a tea and have pine needle tea. And a few episodes back, I talked about making a soft drink that kind of mimics Sprite, where you use pine needles, sugar, lemon, and lime, and you add it all together and let it ferment for three or four days, and then you pour it out over ice, chill it just like you would a regular soft drink, and it tastes pretty much like Sprite, but it's got a whole lot of vitamins in it from the pine needles. And also, if you have any wild roses in your area, which my area, fortunately, we have a lot of wild roses, well, after the flower matures and goes to seed, it makes a little red berry, and they're called rose hips. And rose hips are used in lots of manufactured vitamins as the vitamin C source. And so I would recommend that if you have wild roses in your area, go ahead and pick a quart or two of these rose hips. And then you can just powder those and add those to water or milk or just add them to your food and you're adding pure vitamin C. But you need to find out which trees and plants that you can harvest year-round Have your B vitamins, your vitamin A and vitamin C. At a minimum, you need to do that. Lots of trees and also shrubs are going to have zinc and iron and all sorts of things that you have no clue how much nutrition can be in a plant. But like I said earlier, God has provided for us. And so we have all sorts of nutrition everywhere you look. I want you to survive. I want your family to survive. I want you to thrive and not have to go through the hardships that, hopefully, I'm wrong. So far, the things I've been talking about have not come to full fruition, but yet the world keeps inching closer to this horrible point of no return, and I think most people feel that, and they fear that, and it's time that we quit having fear. It's time that we relied on what God gave us, and God did give us his most marvelous invention, which is a human mind. And since you have one, it's time to start using it. And God gave us the most marvelous gift, and that's the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And so God has provided with everything we need. He's provided for our salvation. He's provided for our food and our well-being. He's provided for our needs here on earth. And I know there's lots of naysayers that would say, I'm not going to go out and eat trees. I'm not going to eat weeds. And for some reason, they have this preconceived notion that because someone calls it a weed, that it's not good for you, or it tastes bad, or its texture is bad. And also with trees, when you say you can make bread out of tree bark, The first thing people think about is that tree bark that is on the outer side that's all brown or gray and cracked up and crunchy. You don't use that. All that is is armor to protect the inner tree bark. You have to peel the bark back to the bare wood, and then you have a membrane that's in between the outer bark and the actual wood of the tree. That is the nutritious part. That's what you harvest. And it's too bad you have to kill a tree, if it's a small sapling, to get that inner tree bark. And I'm sure that there are ways you can harvest patches off of trees and then then put an artificial patch over the wound that you've given the tree and give it a chance to heal. There probably are ways you can do that. But more than likely, if you have to harvest a lot of tree bark, you're going to end up killing some trees. And so if you're harvesting trees on your own property and you know that you're killing them, make sure you're choosing trees that are just perfect for firewood. And that way as they dry, you'll have the right size logs to cut for your firewood. So you always need to be thinking one step ahead. That's the trouble with we the people we're about three or four steps behind these globalists who are thinking one or two steps ahead. The difference between them and us is that they're evil, and I don't think they're that smart. They're counting on us staying very, very docile and dumb. But if we wake up and confend for ourselves, that's their worst nightmare. So I think that it would be a good plan for you to at least put in the back of your mind how to find the vitamins and minerals in the wild. And what you would do is when you type in the name of your state and the edible trees, go ahead and get the nutritional facts and write them down. And write down the sources of vitamin A, B, and C, and all the other vitamins that you need to survive. Go ahead and find out which trees and which part of the tree. And then I would physically go out and find those trees in your neighborhood. Now, pine trees are the easiest to find, and also they're the easiest to get vitamin C. So your vitamin C is going to be extremely easy. And like I said earlier, your proteins are going to be your hardest. And so I would concentrate on storing away proteins more than anything else. But if you do like to have store-bought vitamins... And you think the shelves are starting to get bare? Well, you might go ahead and stock up on those products. One thing I strive to do during this show is to inform you, to try to help you get to the next level as far as self sufficiency. Everything that we do every day needs to lend itself to more self sufficiency. I was asked by my son a question about getting steers to raise to butcher and he had a good plan and I agreed with his plan but I think a better plan is to get heifers and a bull. You might have to wait for a year or two before you start getting your beef but then every year when you have your bull calves you can go ahead and process them and sell your heifer calves to pay for your little operation. I know it sounds very simplistic, but we have to start thinking longer term. These globalist elite creatures that are trying to destroy the world, they think in long term, lockstep. That way they can go from generation to generation and just fill in just another evil person to take the place of the one that passes on before them. They kind of keep that same agenda because that agenda was put in place by Satan himself. And since Satan is the head of that organization, and he's been around for a long time, of course, their method of operation isn't going to change that much because it's the same figurehead that's leading the whole organization. And so they don't care how long it takes, just as long as they win in the end. Of course we know the blood of Jesus defeats the evil one, but we have to think as far as on this earth. We need to have longer range thinking. And if we can have longer range thinking, then we're going to be able to take care of ourselves much better. And that's my goal is to try to help you take better care of yourself and your family. Well I hope that you got something from the show today. There is hope, and there are ways that we can bypass these evil people. They're trying to corral us, they're trying to put us in a box. We need to resist that, with all of our might. And I trust anyone that listens to this show is a fighter, and also will resist. I would ask that you consider donating to this program to keep it on the air. I would appreciate it so much. I know the economy is not good, and I've... And donations are down across the board. But every little bit helps. And I so much appreciate all of those who have donated. And I do take checks and money orders or cash. You'd write to check out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media. P.O. Box 163. Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is six nine one. Once again, thanks for listening, everyone. I do appreciate it. Stay strong. Stay safe. Keep your eyes wide open. And never, ever forget replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song, Step Out on the Sea, is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.